Continuing this series, Purpose Over Preference. Now, again, you've heard me say this at the beginning, call me crazy, but I feel as though that God, I know as though God has placed purpose and plans and destiny in the heart of men and women. And I believe that you sit here this morning as a part of that purpose and plan. I believe that God has great things in store for your life. I believe that he has your future in his hands. But see, when we get to this place that we believe it too, we get the attention of the enemy, don't we? See, because what he does then is he tries to put his plans and his purpose in your mind and your heart and to supersede, hopefully supersede what God has placed in your heart. This is where we get the purpose over preference. It's this understanding that God has a purpose for your life. And you've seen that defined before. We'll do it again. A reason for which something is done or created for which something exists, right? An object that we, that we have this, this, this longing for, this attainment to. You see that, right? But see, the thing is about this God that calls you, all-knowing, all-powerful God, is that he is not a dictator, He allows you to to take all of the evidence upon the table and say to yourself, I prefer you over me. Are you with me? So I prefer your plans over mine, Lord. And that's this purpose over preference. Now, see, we know as we've looked in the 23rd Psalm, this is something that David understood full well. This is something that David understood. I love the scripture in this way and that God gives us regular people that we can look at, that we can watch their lives and see, man, that that looks like me too. God can help me too. His purpose, his plans can be in my life as well. So follow along with me on your screen as you read Psalm 23, the 23rd Psalm 1 through 6. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We grew to understand that David knew the Lord as his shepherd, but also as we look and you see this in John 10, 10 through 11, that we have this adversary that comes and wants to take away life from us, but we also have this good shepherd, our own, that we can say the Lord is my shepherd. So we're able to look at David's life and say, man, that guy was 100% human. Me too. If he can say the Lord is his shepherd, I can too. The Lord is my shepherd. Isn't that good? So what we've done over over these these last weeks together is we've followed the course of David as a young shepherd over a year's worth of time of shepherding. Okay, we, we followed him and we've watched him go from the homestead to the place that was comfortable. You know what I'm saying? The place that he knew that he would he would have his sheep graze and those green pastures. Are you getting me with this? He, we watched him take them through those dark valleys and, and we watched him as the shepherd because it's all seasonally, isn't it? We watched him as the shepherd take them to that mountain top place. And this is what happens in the shepherd's life. He, he leads his sheep through the season so that they get the most growth and health that they can out of every single season. Isn't that good, right? So here we are today, having successfully made it to that mountaintop place. We are enjoying, remember, born free, free. You know that whole thing, the pastoral scene, you're walking through the grass and your fingers are touching it and you're ah, kind of thing, the mountaintop place. 
So we're making it in this place, but we grew to understand that we are still in great need of the shepherd's comfort and care. Because regardless of what season you're in, what place you are on the journey, there will always be threats. Does not matter. You're on the mountaintop. Does not matter. There's still threats that are there. Okay. And we remember how David told us, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows, that we have to be courageous. Remember, we heard this from the Lord speaking to to Moses, Israel, and Joshua too, right? To be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be terrified because of them. For the Lord, your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. I love that trademark of a shepherd will never leave you nor forsake you. So what do we have to be afraid of in this mountaintop place? Why do we have to have courage in this mountaintop place? Why, why do we have to, have to understand that he won't leave us nor forsake us? Because threats still exist. Threats are still there. And you've watched this in your season of life. Maybe, maybe this season or a previous season in your life, the greatest season of life. Everything seemed to be just perfect. You're like, everything is wonderful and great. But yet you saw that there was still some things that crept in. You can still see that there were still some threats that, that attempted to take, take you out as one of the Lord's sheep within the flock. Are you with me? This makes sense, doesn't it? Because with each season we find ourselves, the shepherd is found with us, okay? And there will always be threats. A good understanding that regardless of what we find in the season, he is there. So we can say, the Lord is my shepherd. He anoints my head. What does this mean to be anointed by the shepherd? You know, you may have watched some televangelism before. Is that fun? That's really fun, okay? Or you may have been in church growing up and you watched and people are like, mm, it was thick today. What was thick? What are you talking about? What was thick today? Mm, it was palpable. I mean, it was, I pulled out the knife and I just cut it. What? Is there like a bad smell in the air or something? The anointing. The anointing was thick. You see what I mean by this? You, you, you get a lot of terms. You get a lot of thoughts when you hear of something like the anointing, you know? You're thinking like, what? The anointment? What would you say? The anointment was thick? What, what were they? Ointments? What? I don't get this. Is this like, is this like something for, for essential oils or something? What are you doing? You trying to sell me something here today? You know what I mean by this? We get all these things that run through our minds when we think, what does this mean to be anointed? Well, you look at this. It's, it's a, to, to smear or to rub with oil or an oily substance on something or someone, okay? To apply oil to as a part of a religious ceremony. This is starting to make more sense. To choose by or as if by divine election, okay? So why does the shepherd do this stuff? Why does he anoint sheep? Does that make sense? Is that just weird? You're like, oh, just go and send no more little sheep. No, why does he anoint a sheep? Why does he do, why does he do this? Because he wants to protect his sheep. This is so good. From future pain or suffering and sometimes even current stuff. See, let me tell you about summertime on the mountaintop. It's, it's pretty unique, okay? And in, in shepherd's terms, summertime is fly time, okay? Anybody that knows anything about agriculture, or if you live in this world during the summer, okay, you drive down the road. Anybody, you have your car, you drive down the road summertime. You can tell it's summertime. Why? Because you have just done mass murder on your car, your windshield, your front bumper of every known flying thing to mankind. Are you with me on this? There is no sweeter sound in the summer. Anybody, I might get some amens on this than. 
what is that? That is that thing zapping them flies. Why? Because flies like to get up in your life. They like to come up in your house. And then you are running around the house with a fly swatter. Isn't that fun to watch? And you go to swing and you miss and you fall down and break the table or whatever. Like this is where I just, this is my life, okay? But there is no sweeter sound in summer than paps you know, and sometimes when the occasional bird hits it, I pray for them. Okay. You guys, this is good. We got great humanitarian folks in here. Okay. But listen, listen to this. There are warble flies, bot flies, heel flies. I think of the bot fly. Maybe that's like some Android thing from space. Okay. Nasal flies. We'll hear more about that in just a moment. Deer flies. Okay. Black flies, mosquitoes, gnats, and many other things that love to harass sheep in the summertime. Okay. So you're already thinking this is going to be like, I don't want to hear about flies today. I really don't want to hear about flies. Okay. But listen, you got to hear about this because this is important. Okay. Especially one fly called the nasal fly. Isn't this getting exciting already? You're like, I use a tissue every time I get near my nose, okay? I am not excited about this. Well, see, this nasal fly is very unique, okay? And this nasal fly, uh, what he does is he loves to get near the sheep in the nose, okay? And what he loves to do is he loves to lay the larva, okay? Isn't this getting great? The larvae, that's how you really say it, the larvae. Okay, and what happens when these larvae uh, begin to grow, they, they go up in the nose. This is getting great, isn't it? You're like, this is a good word, pastor, good word. Amen, amen. Where's the hanky, you know, gets in there and these things become full grown and they, they embed themselves in the flesh of the sheep. Isn't that gross? That is extremely gross. Okay. But it makes sense. Okay. But these sheep, when this happens to them, they go buck nutty. They freak out. They go crazy. And I don't know if you ever had like, you know, have anybody ever itched, you know, you had itch before and you just need to scratch it. You know what I mean? Maybe it's poison ivy, poison ivy. Can I get some people that love poison ivy in their lives? And you just want to like steroid the world up. Okay. And you're just like, ah, so these sheep, when these larvae come, become full grown within their head and they embed in the flesh, they go crazy. They go crazy, running all over the place, hitting their head against the rocks, against the ground, like logs, stones, whatever it takes, because there's something inside now that is making them crazy. Are you with me? Making them absolutely nuts and they can do nothing about it whatsoever to get it out and to make it stop. They stop feeding the babies. They stop feeding. The mama stop producing milk and ultimately death is imminent for these. But this is when the shepherds care. Listen to me. This is when the shepherd steps in and administers his care like none other. What does he do? He anoints their head with oil. Oh, this makes sense now. Okay, I see what you're saying. Uh, what is this? This is a, a Linwood seed. This is a homemade, homeopathic, so it's healthy for the sheep. You know, <laughs> linseed lin oil, sulfur, and tar. Okay? And what he does is he begins to, let me see. Yeah, Nate can handle this. He began, I was looking at someone's hair this night. Begins to just rub it on their head. Rub it on their head. I'm going with the part so I don't mess you up. You're still looking good. Let me get a little height there. But he rubs it, rubs it on their head. You showered today. I'm kidding. Rubs it on their head. And immediately, relief happens. Immediately, 
Maybe it's the smell of the tar, maybe the linseed oil, maybe the sulfur, whatever. But immediately they know that the buzzing, the flies are going to stop. Because the shepherd has administered his care. See, immediate relief happens. See, God's purpose in our lives, listen to me on this, is to lavish protection upon us to help us avoid pain and bring about peace. To lavish protection, to anoint us, right? To help to avoid pain and bring about peace. See, our preference, though, is to forego the shepherd's care and attempt to navigate it on our own. We're like, I'm fine. I will beat my head against the ground until these things come out of my head. Thank you, Jesus, but no thank you. All right? Thank you. No thank you. Thank you. No thank you. You see what I'm saying by this? To forego the shepherd's care. See, what does this mean? These are these outside factors that buzz around us nonstop. Am I going to get that job? Am I going to get that raise? Are my kids ever going to be good? You know, you know <laughs> the list goes on. What about my car situation? What about this situation? What about this relationship? What about that? Are you with me? A swarm of flies waiting to climb right up in your nose and lay something nice and pretty up in there. Are you with me on this? But when the shepherd administers his care, quiet, it stops because the shepherd has the ability. He has the ability to to take these distractions that lead to an all-out attack and stop them in their tracks. So how will we make it, though, when we're in this situation? You kind of got a little glimpse of what we need to do, but how do we, how will we make it? We need a fresh anointing. We need a fresh anointing. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, though you are evil, thank you for that, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more? Why is he saying this? Why is he saying he will give us the Holy Spirit? Because what he brings to our lives, listen, the Holy Spirit is someone who fills our lives to overflowing. And it's not just once. Let me tell you about sheep. You have to keep applying that stuff to their heads or the flies will come back. Listen, it's not a once and for all thing when when you get up into the Holy Spirit's life and he's up in yours. He needs to anoint you. Let me ask you this, okay? Do you think you can make it one day without it? All right, I think you can if, let's play a little scenario here. I think you can make it one day without the anointing if you never leave home, you never turn on your television, You never open up your phone and look at any social media platform whatsoever. You don't talk to a single soul. You don't talk to your family. You don't go to work. You don't go to school. You don't do anything. If you're basically in solitary confinement, you will have no problems whatsoever. Does anybody live there? Exactly. We need a fresh application, a lavishing of God's Holy Spirit's anointing on our lives every single day just to make it. Because this world is crazy. And when you ask, he says, here you go. Here you go. This is what you need today, a fresh anointing. The good shepherd is ever tuned into our needs. The Holy Spirit, while living in us, constantly assesses us and the situations of our lives and sees how do I need to respond today. And this will make sense in just a moment. How do I need to respond today? Because here's why. With this anointing comes fruit. This will come full circle right now. Um, Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, 
gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. When the spirit of God is on you, he gets in you, right? And the things that used to come out of you begin to change. Let me read that again to make some sense of this. All right, you with me? When the spirit of God is on you, the anointing, okay? He gets in you, right? And the things that used to come out of you begin to change. So you're up in a tough situation. You're worried about your job. You're worried about your friends. You're worried about your marriage. You're worried about this. You're worried about that. And all of a sudden, out of you comes kindness. And people are like, what happened? Two weeks ago when we talked about this situation, you were so angry and frustrated. I didn't get any of this out. What happened in your life? A fresh anointing. God has touched my life every day in a new way with a fresh anointing that is sufficient for that day. Because here's the thing, guys. When this fruit begins to come out in our lives, we still know that there's going to be threats. You, know, you ever heard of fruit flies? What do they like to do? Buzz around good fruit and, and like to, to mess it up where you can't eat it, right? Are you with me on this? They like to buzz up in your house and you're, you're trying to you know, smack them and things like that to no avail because they, they love to take the fruit and ruin it. And this is what the enemy does. He, he sees fruit in your life and he says, I can take care of that. I, they don't need that anointing. I'm going to keep buzzing around. I'm going to keep messing with them so that hopefully, eventually, they'll come back to me. But what we have to do is stay with him. When we miss out on this anointing, okay, when we miss out being by his side, these are the other things that can happen. Paul speaks about in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. The acts of the flesh come out. We act out of our flesh. We bang our head against the rocks and people look at us like, what are you doing? These are the acts of the flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You're like, why are you talking about that stuff in church? Because that's the way we live outside. If we don't have his anointing upon us, these things will naturally come out of you. The flesh will produce these things. And the kingdom of God will not be here or you will not get it there. You see what I'm saying by this? We need to make sure that we have a fresh anointing every day so the right things come out. Fruit, not death, out of our mouths and out of our lives, okay? See, because when we're anointed, we've crucified wrongful wrongful passions and desires. We've put them upon the cross. We've crucified these things. We keep in step with the spirit when we're anointed. Why? Because I can smell him. He's here. It's on. I'm in me. It's in me. He's walking with me. It's a reminder that the shepherd has anointed me. I'm in step with the shepherd. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? We walk humbly and lovingly before God and others. His anointing in our lives will keep us out of harm's way. Listen to this. And make us a blessing to be around. A couple months back, I felt like I was a tyrant in my home. Because I was so frustrated, so overwhelmed, so everything. Just put it on the tab. That's what I was saying. Everything was just bugging me to death. And I watched this. And I don't know if I shared this with you guys or another situation. I watched how much my youngest, Andalyn, would want to be around me. And I feel like her love toward me was weaning. And I was like, what's going on here? And I, think to, I thought to myself, how much fruit are you bringing to this home? How much life are you putting in this home? How are you processing your pain, your frustrations, all this stuff? Are you, are you coming up under God's anointing through his Holy Spirit daily? Or are you trying to figure this out on your own? 
And I watched how God changed my heart and mind. It's almost like she came around, literally, and has been, Daddy, Daddy, more than ever. It's because the heart of the father being in there better than the heart of a father that is broken by so many things. This is life. You can be on the mountaintop experience, but yet there are still threats and we need to stay close to him. We need to have him in everything that we do. Speaking of threats on this mountaintop in this summer, bliss, there's another threat. You'll love this one too. You thought larvae was bad. How about this? This is a secondary threat in this mountaintop place called scab. Isn't it just getting better every day? Oh my goodness, scab. Isn't it just scab? Just say it a bunch, scab. It's just scab, okay? It's not fun at all. I'm, I'm with you, okay? Just get it out of your mind now. What is this thing? This is a minute microscopic parasite that embeds. You're like, ugh, ugh, ugh. You know, I can't watch these shows. You ever seen that? What is that? The, the one where it's inside, you know, the monster inside. That is of the devil himself because I'm like, I basically have everything in me right now. You know what I'm saying? I'm just a walking piece of pork, okay? You know, it's just... This microscopic parasitic organism that embeds in their head. And the thing is, sheep love each other. Love, they love each other. They greet each other by rubbing their heads together. How are you? Bad. You know, they, they, they commune by putting their heads together. And how does this little microorganism, this parasitic little friend, transfer from one unhealthy one to another? And that exchange, when they put their heads together, okay? And it's so important for us to, to really lean into this for a second. When they put their heads together. See, listen, what does this mean? Scab is the significant contamination, this sin aspect. Are you with me? This sin and evil that is deep within us. See, the, the, the flies were out here, okay? But scab is something that you don't necessarily see. It's inside. And you don't feel the results of this contamination until you put your head with somebody that you shouldn't. Are you with me? You, you, you put minds together with somebody that you shouldn't. How do we overcome this contamination of inner sin? Remember, David said again, you anoint my head with oil. You anoint my head with oil. We have to start where the sin begins, and it's in our head. It's in our minds. This is where this stuff Begins. I think about this with the life of David as, David as he wrote this psalm, this 23rd psalm. It said that David was writing this in hindsight. I don't know about you guys, but hindsight's always 2020, right? You could see what you should have done, how you should have done it, how things should have been different. So David looks back. I feel like he's looking back to a time in his life as he writes this thing, this, this, this a gut-wrenching talk relationship, this, this thing that he needed to get out because he looked back over the times of his lives and specifically what I'm going to share, one of the biggest mistakes he ever made in his life. Most notable. See, we talk about this from 2 Samuel. What, what he did, 2 Samuel 11, was uh, a time in David's life where he was a king, and he was a wonderful king. Things were going great. You know, the kingdom was wonderful. And this was a certain time of the year on the journey when kings would go off to war. Well, David decided to stay home. David decided to stay home and send someone else instead to fight for him. Okay, listen, always stay in the fight. Always fight the good fight. It'll make more sense soon. David decided to stay home. And as he was just hanging out in the palace, loving life, I don't know, maybe he's playing some games, you know, some shuffleboard or something. I don't know what he did in palace life back then. He's like, ring, ring, maybe playing the harp again like the good old days. I don't know what he was doing. But he stayed back. And then one day, he's like, I think, uh, I think it was a good idea to stay home. Okay, this is good. So I think today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to head up to the roof. 
I'm going to get some good sights. I'm going to get some. So he heads up to the roof and he looks around. And all of a sudden, hello. He sees Bathsheba. So he thinks in his mind, the starting place. I think I'm going to try and spit some game that way. I'm going to try and talk to Bathsheba. I'm gonna, I think it would be a good idea that Bathsheba should come over here and see me. So what happens in this moment is as, as her husband is away fighting this war for David too. He, he sleeps with this woman. They have a child together. Are you with me on this? Things go from bad to worse. The child dies. He tries to cover things up even beforehand and, and tries to, to cover it up by sending Uriah to the front line. Uriah dies in the process because he knew that would happen, trying to cover his sin, cover his tracks, all because of what he thought in his mind that became full-grown in real life. He thought it was a good idea. Thank God for Nathan coming to him saying, hey, bro, do you realize what you've done? Do you see this situation? He, he got the right mind around him. He said, do you see what you've done here? You're, the, you're that guy that did this. You're the, this is your fault. You need to make this right. It's so important. You need people in your life that you can put your mind with that has the mind of Christ. Because if they don't, their contamination will spew into your life too. And you will find yourself just as sick as they are, just as messed up as they are, and they may not even know it. Are you guys with me? Keller says in his book, A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm, in the Christian life, most of our contamination by the world, by sin, by that which would defile and disease us spiritually, come through our minds. It is the case of mind meeting mind, mind meeting mind to transmit ideas, concepts, and attitudes which may be damaging. You think about this. Be careful who you link your mind to because you never know how it will end. All right? We have to place our minds in the right place before the Lord. Philippians 4.8. Listen to this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Where we focus our minds, our hearts will follow. Where we focus our minds, our hearts will follow. We have to be submerged in his love. What do you mean by this, Justin? See, here's the thing. To get rid of this scab, what, what these shepherds would have to do is, is create a dip, like a dip, okay? A big pool, all right? And in this would be certain things, chemicals that would take away this disease from the sheep. So we got that anointing on the head thing, but sometimes you got to go all the way in. You got to be completely submerged to get full restoration. And that's the thing with sin, are you with me? Completely, all in, all in. But also what he would do is he would hold down the head of the sheep even longer inside of that dip so that this main reason for them having to be in the dip will be taken care of. Their minds, what was starting in their heads. It was the head that leads everything else in their lives. And we have to be careful what's inside. So with this change of season, Okay, comes becomes there's some changes that happen within the flock as well. They begin to fight. Why do they begin to fight? Because it's rut and mating season. Okay, and if men, you're just messed up. It's well, you. Uh, my muscles are bigger than yours. Well, my muscles are bigger than yours. Have you seen? You know, I'm the man. You know, you're not the man. All of a sudden, bam, boom, they're fighting. Okay, it just doesn't take much. It's like, what did you say about my football team? Okay, it just really doesn't take much. All right. But this shepherd is always watching and he's keeping these things under control. But there's some things that exceed the control factor of a shepherd here on earth, okay? Weather. 
And what he does is he watches these weather patterns knowing that winter is about to come, that any moment freezing rain could come, that this any stinking moment whatsoever, everything could change. Worship team, if you guys don't mind to come up as we get ready for communion very soon. Anytime. And this is when David would be able to say with confidence, but also an understanding that we don't know, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes my cup overflow. Why would he make his cup overflow in this instance? What does this mean? Because in this summer season, he has great joy. Yes, it's, it's mating season, which means his flock's going to grow. More believers are coming to the flock. Are you with me on this? We're seeing growth. That's exciting. That is overwhelmingly exciting. So much joy in this because my flock's growing, my investment, my care, all that I've given them, it's growing, it's proving. But also... <coughs> We still got to make it back. He's like, I may experience loss if we can't get out of this storm. I may experience loss when we go back down through that valley. If we don't make it there, some of these guys may not make it. So he's overwhelmed with joy, overwhelmed with suffering, so much so that his cup overflows in a way that never did before, with joy, but also suffering. And we think about this. What, what happens in this time? Well, Keller tells a story of when he was a shepherd himself. He tells this story of when he was a shepherd. He'd always keep with him some brandy and water, okay? Not Brandy the pop singer from the 90s, okay? She wasn't there. But he would keep with him brandy and water. Why would he do this? He would keep this because he knew, not when, but storms would come. He knew that threats would come, and he knew that it would absolutely annihilate his sheep. So what would he do when he would see it come, and he'd see them get rained upon, this freezing rain? He'd go over to that sheep, ever so kindly, he'd pull out his brandy and water, okay, and he'd be like, open up, you ready? He would pour it, there you go, okay? So that all of a sudden, warmth and restoration would be added back to that sheep's life. That sheep would be like, whew, I was about to die in this. I was about to die, but the shepherd came over and he shared of his cup. He shared of his fruit of the vine when we think about communion and the wine, what Jesus did. His cup of suffering. The, the shepherd was in the midst with his sheep and he was sharing in the suffering so much so that he gave of what he had. And we think about this in our own lives. We think about this especially in lieu of communion. And that's what we're about to do. In lieu of communion, we think about how this cup overflowed into my life. Why? So that I could experience true joy, eternity with Jesus. There's nothing greater than that. You, listen, I get it. Things really can stink pretty badly from day to day. But when you know that you're in the shepherd's care here and that you're going to go there to the, a, a never-ending mountaintop experience, that can give you joy. But you also know that he suffered and that we can identify with his suffering so that we don't have to suffer beyond here either. I love that. Do you, you picture what I'm saying here? And what I want to make sure we do before we partake of this cup is to make sure that you are in the right place with him in your heart. It's so key. It's so key that to make sure that you are a believer. Why? Because you're doing this in remembrance of him. In remembrance of what? What he did for you. That he died for your sin, that his cup, this suffering, this agony, this Calvary, this cup that overflowed was for you, not for the person next to you, not for your mom or your grandmom, for you, because he loved you so much. He loved the world. He loves you in this world so much. God gave his only begotten son. He, he was poured out for you. 
So the first thing I want us to do before we move on is to make sure you're in that right place. What does that mean? What do I do? I give my life to the shepherd. I stop trying to travel on my own. I turn around and I look to the shepherd and I say, I'll follow you. That's called repentance. And you say, hey, look, shepherd, I'm sorry. I've done things that have separated me from you. You saw you saw me there, but your love was rushing so good. Your love was rushing to me and you came to me and you said, come on, come on. And you gently restore me and pick me up. Thank you, shepherd. Forgive me. Let me be with you. And he says, come on, you're in the fold. You're in the flock. And then he leads you. So let's take a second before we get into communion. And you guys can get set up for communion as well. Before we do this, and let, let's just look within before we, before we move. Let's look within our lives and ask ourselves, am I in the place I need to be with him? So do me a favor. Close your eyes with me for just a moment. And I love to do this in lieu of response because I like for folks to, to, to make a move. And you don't have to get up out of your seat and come up front or anything like that. But this move looks like you identify with me for just a moment by locking eyes. And what that means, you would say, I'm going to give my heart to the Lord for the first time. I want to repent. I want to turn toward him. I want forgiveness of my sin. And then maybe for the second time, because it was 15 years ago that I did that the first time. That's what we want to do first. And then we're going to move into a time of communion. Okay, so everybody close your eyes with me just to give everybody the same opportunity here. And if you feel like you need to first give your heart to the Lord before you receive of this cup, a cup of remembrance. Yeah, it may only be a two-minute remembrance now because you just gave it to him for the first time, but you're in the right place because you've given your heart to the Lord. If you're in that place and you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want him to be the good shepherd of everything, you want to be with him beyond here, just simply look at me real quick, and then we're going to move on, okay? Anybody else? Okay, thank you. All right. Okay, anybody else? All right. Okay. Lord, we thank you so much for what I believe is the miracle of salvation, that while we were lost, you rushed to our side to find us. You left the 99 for us one, and this morning a miracle has happened in that we have given our hearts to the Lord. We have given him control of our lives. And Lord, for all of us in this moment, as we get ready to partake of this cup, we are going to remember what you've done. And we thank you for it. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to give you some logistics, okay? Communion is always pretty rough around here just because we don't have a lot of aisles and stuff like that. These guys are going to serve this side and this portion. And then what you guys are going to do is just just nice and calmly come up to the table and grab bread and grab the cup. If you're in the back, you'll also see a station over there on, on the coffee bar, okay? So they're going to serve you of the cup and the bread, and when we're done with that, we'll partake together, all right? Sound good? While we do that, uh, distribute these things, I want to read to you um, from what Paul was saying uh, to the church of Corinth, but also a reminder to us today. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. You know, I think about this, the night that he was betrayed. Think about, has anybody ever experienced, yeah, you guys can get up and move and grab your things. I'm sorry. Have you ever experienced betrayal? I think we all have. Can you imagine doing life with somebody for three years? And you may know this very well. You may have done life with people for many years, then all of a sudden, you don't know what happened. They're gone. Imagine Jesus sitting at the table with the one who would betray him, a couple in, in those ways, that would betray him, but yet he still loved them, and he sat with them at the table. But when he did this, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, listen to me here, this is my body 
which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Just want to be vulnerable for a moment. You know, I shared with you guys at the beginning of service uh, the, the struggle that I've had um, with this vertigo stuff for probably like five months. And it's been a struggle because being a man of faith and stepping out and doing many different things that we've done in our lives and seeing God do amazing stuff, I think to him, well, God, what, what's a healing? You've done it all the time. You've done so many things. And we all have healing stuff. It may be emotionally, maybe physically, maybe spiritually. We got stuff that needs to be healed, right? Are you with me? We've all experienced that before. And when I think about this today, you know, it, it challenges me even more. I need to remember that his body was broken for me that I may be whole. My biggest struggle in remembering this over the last months is believing that it can be different. Think about with salvation. What does he say? All you have to do is believe. Even with healing, all you have to do is believe. You've struggled with anxiety. You've struggled with depression. You've struggled with physical ailments. And you're like, will this stuff ever end? Listen, all you have to do is believe. But what else do I have to do? What do I have to pay? What do I have to give? You see what I'm saying by this? It's not a bartering system with the Lord. All you have to do is believe and walk in that faith every day. Just like his anointing is fresh every day, our belief has to be fresh every day too. You know what I'm saying? It makes sense that I want to get healthy and my body starts messing up. You know, bursitis in the heel. How am I like 105 or something here? What's wrong with me? That I want to ride bikes with my kids, that I want to run, that I want to... It makes perfect sense, doesn't it? But all I have to do is continue to believe. Believe that that's why his body was broken for me and for you too. So as we get ready to partake here soon, we're going to challenge our belief in this. This is the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. What, what is the significance of this cup? It is so significant because, yes, all the suffering we talked about that went into this cup, but also all the salvation that went into this cup. Back in Old Testament times, something had to die for something to live. A spotless lamb without blemish had to die to forgive sin, to atone, to take away, to cover your sin. And when we take this cup, we take this cup with the memory of him taking away our sin. Like I was saying earlier, as you gave your heart to the Lord, it may only be a five-minute memory. You're good because you gave it to him. You trusted him with it. Are you with me on this? Did everybody get bread too? Has everybody been served? That was super efficient. Bless you. Okay. Can I get an amen? Well, we have this opportunity to do this in remembrance of the one who's done everything for us that will never leave us nor forsake us. I'm so encouraged by that. So for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We celebrate his death. Why? Because there was a resurrection, which means we too will have eternal life. We celebrate him dying. Why? Because we have life, but also if he didn't go, his Holy Spirit wouldn't come. That's good. And anoint us every day so that we can make it, so that we can be with him forever one day. Are you with me on this? We celebrate this. People are like, why do you celebrate death? Because it was the greatest death that ever happened because it didn't last long. He came back to life. I don't know about you, but that's exciting. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. 
Make it worthy all the time. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. Always a reminder, always a reminder of what he did in your life. So do me this favor. Take this cup in your hand. No, no, no. Let's take the bread. Take this bread in your hand. Let me serve these guys real quick too. I'd love to do this. There you go. There we go. On the guitar, that is stellar. This guy is a professional communion taker. No. No, he's resourceful. But take this in your hand. I know it's an oyster cracker. I get it. As I explained, as I explained this to a 12-year-old boy in our Connection Center today, what does this mean? It is symbolic of what Jesus did for you. I'm believing that there's going to be a belief breakthrough right now. That what we've struggled with for years doesn't have to be. I'm believing with you. Our faith is combining that what he's doing right now is going to be an everlasting work. And that we will need his anointing again and again to help us to keep that body whole. Are you with me? To keep us in the right place. So as we pray and you hold this in your hand, what are you believing for? What healing are you believing for? What wholeness are you believing for today? Because his body was broken to pay for it. Jesus, we thank you. As we hold this symbol in our hand, we thank you for what you did. We thank you for what you did so that we may do, that we may be whole today. I believe, Lord, with everything in me, regardless of what's flying around me and even what I may be thinking, that you are going to touch me, that you're going to heal me, that you're going to restore me. And I feel that the same is going to happen today in this place. So we take your body and we don't take it lightly. We take it with the weight, the full weight of what your body did when it was broken to bring wholeness to us. And we take it now in Jesus' name. Receive it with me. I heard him say in the same way he took the cup, right? This is of his blood. Of his blood that was spilled. That might be difficult. Balance that. His blood that was spilled for us so that we could have eternity with him. I don't know if you realize that. That's a really long time. You see, we're only just a blip on the radar here. We're just, bloop, that's it. But there it goes on forever. And what it does is it goes on forever in worship. Us worshiping him forever. And it was made possible by the sacrificial lamb and his blood that was spilled. You know, I'm thoroughly convinced. I've been thinking about this a lot the last couple weeks. What would it be like if we lived in the joy of our salvation? Right? We forget that. I got saved like three years ago. Man, everything's fine now. I'm good. I'm good. I checked it off. What if you woke up every day with such an intense appreciation for the blood that Jesus spilled for you? What if you woke up every day overwhelmed that you were not worthy, but yet he died for you? What if you woke up every day and he restored the joy of your salvation to you, regardless of what your finances look like, your relationships, your, your schoolwork, your, your outlook, whatever. If you woke up with the joy, volunteerism would be great here. I know that. You know, your workplace would be wonderful. 
your school, your families, your home, your kids, it would be different because you would have the right fruit because you have a right recognition of the fruit of the vine in your life, the joy of your salvation. So I'm praying that today when we receive of this cup that there will be a restoration, maybe the first time like you received today, but a remembrance restoration of what he did for you. You know, it's gone from east to west, but we still don't forget what we've done, which makes it all that much more sweeter, the salvation. Amen. So Lord, we thank you for this cup. We thank you for your only begotten son that shed his blood for us. We thank you that through this blood, we have forgiveness. Through this symbol, we have forgiveness and we are remembering what that was and what it is today. Restore unto us the joy of our salvation. Renew a right spirit within that starts on the outside and works its way in. Anoint us on the outside, fill us on the inside completely full to overflowing with your spirit. Let our cup overflow. We pray. We love you and we thank you. And we do this in remembrance of what you've done for us.